So who are the big winners in the Pac-12 on National Signing Day? Yeah, there were there were a couple teams who had some good days. Deion Sanders ah, made one splashy move. Let's go. Our Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked on Pac-12, live from the Marriott Lower Lobby in Salt Lake City. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with our beloved Conference of Champions. Like, comment, subscribe, please, and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by Sling TV. Don't miss all the bowl games this year featuring Pac-12 teams right here on Sling. Sling, the TV you love for a price you'll love. Try it today. All righty then. So, a lot of interesting things on National Signing Day. And we're going to get to the biggest headlines here. And uh, late in the day, Travis Hunter announced he will be going to Colorado. And that one is not as much of a surprise. And... With the hire of Deion Sanders, what Colorado is trying to do at, at a fundamental level, and they're succeeding, by the way, is they want to be splashy. They want to be interesting. They want to be exciting. And Travis Hunter is an exciting player. And they have a couple other commits who are exciting. Dylan Edwards among them. Was a Notre Dame commit. Got flipped to Colorado. Notre Dame getting housed by the Pac-12 a little bit. Dalen Austin flipped to Oregon from, uh, or he was from LSU, I guess. Jaden Lamar, the uh, running back, was committed to Notre Dame. Flipped to Oregon. And then you had uh, Dylan Edwards flip to Colorado. And still Notre Dame's recruiting really well. But Coach Prime last year made a big, splashy move when he flipped Travis Hunter. And it's not a surprise that he's bringing him to Colorado. It's exciting for Buffs fans because they just haven't had that caliber of an athlete over the last several years. They haven't been able to recruit at that level. And by the way, I do like this this bush I've got situated behind me. It's like almost like I'm on Zach Galifianakis' show Between Two Ferns. I'm just between the one. But, you know, it's close enough. Anyway, so... The, the splashiness of Travis Hunter last year is not quite as, you know, glamorous, shall we say, this year. But still, it's noteworthy. But there was something missing from Colorado yesterday. And that was a big surprise. They didn't have a big surprise. I don't think that's indicative of what is going to come for Colorado Rooting Trail. I think the February national signing window could be much more impactful. I think it could be much more impactful. But there was a, in my view, noticeable, excuse me, lack of a wow move or a surprise move, a surprise commitment to Colorado. It wasn't there. I mean, they added his son. You knew that was coming. There were kind of some uh, things floating around that, ah, Travis Hunter might not go to Colorado. Yeah, he did. That's, That's what you expected. He committed to play for Coach Prime at Jackson State. Now he's going to go play for him at Colorado. 
There were no surprises there. I think more will come ahead of the next signing day and before the transfer portal window ends. I will leave it there on Coach Prime for now because there's nothing else really to report at this time. It wasn't an amazing day for Colorado because their amazing day has already kind of taken place with the hire of Coach Prime. But any Buffs fans out there saying, well, wait a minute, why didn't we rocket ship up the rankings? Why didn't we get this guy or that guy or flip him or flip this person over here? He went to Coach Jackson State in the bowl game. That's time he spent at a different school. So he certainly wasn't recruiting for Colorado whilst there. And at least not, you know, as much as he could compared to now that he is just Colorado's football coach. I think there will be more news on that front in the coming weeks. I expect it. And I wasn't surprised by it yesterday. However, there were a couple of surprises. Oregon had a very good day. If you want to hear more about that, go check out Locked on Ducks. I give it more in detail over there. But we're looking at the conference as a whole right now. And I think the Pac-12, recruiting-wise, had a solid day. It was pretty good. I didn't think it was incredible outside of Oregon. I mean, Oregon's day was way above where I thought it would be. I mean, like, way above where I thought it would be. I think it was way above where anybody thought it would be. I was getting texts from friends who were Beaver fans saying, man, you guys are having a heck of a day. And they really did. Everyone else in the Pac-12, relatively quiet. Doesn't mean there aren't good players out there. Doesn't mean there aren't going to be good recruiting rankings by the end of the cycle. It does mean there wasn't a lot of wow outside of Oregon. Washington flipped Caleb Presley. That was a pretty big move. UCLA flipped Dante Moore. Again, that's someone you know staying within the conference, but flipping from one school to the other. That was a big piece of news. But other than that, on National Signing Day itself, for all the craziness and wild, hectic things that were taking place, it was uh, it was relatively quiet. Again, not bad, but not incredible either. Now, right now, the 2023 recruiting class rankings are as follows. Remember, a lot of players committed yesterday. They did not all commit yesterday. They did not all sign yesterday. There is another signing day in February where we will go through all of this again. We will do it all again because that's what we do now. 24-7, 365, early window, late window, whatever you want to call it. And the transfer portal is still open, by the way. More names will go in and more will come out. There's still a long way to go. But right now, the Pac-12 recruiting rankings, and I do believe this is factoring in the transfer portal, though someone can correct me if I am wrong, and I just listed it on uh, prep rankings alone. Oregon is first. USC is second. Utah is third. I think that's a great place for Utah to be because in all the success that the Utes have had, over the last several years. They've been the best program in the league for the last five years. That is not arguable, by the way. It is not. <laughs> there has not been a team that has won more legitimate conference championships. Oregon's in 2020. What was that season? I was like, that's a half at the most. That's a half a championship right there. 
They've been to four of the last five. They've won the last two. They're the dominant program there. Looks like it's starting to pay off on the recruiting trail. Hasn't always been their MO, but here they are, number 20 in the country and number three in the Pac-12. And Utah has had all this success with a small handful of kind of highly rated recruits. Can you imagine Kyle Whittingham and that coaching staff with consistent top 15 to 20 classes? What about, wait for it, what about top 10 to 15 classes? Holy smokes. Sound the alarms. Bells and whistles a-blaring. Because that could be quite something. That really, really could. The rest of the Pac-12 has an order in terms of where they rank right now in recruiting. I will tell you about them. I will first tell you about my friends at Bet Online. Your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From pro football to college bowl season to basketball and the World Cup, we've got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. So, let's go through where everybody else is sitting right about now. Utah is third in the Pac-12. Washington is fourth. UCLA is fifth, boosted very heavily by flipping Dante Moore, who then went out and uh, flipped Baylor's quarterback commit. Oregon State is sixth. Good for the Beavs. Middle of the pack. Corvallis, not an easy place to recruit. But it turns out, and I know this is a crazy concept. I mean, just like a wild one. Hot take alert. Incoming. Sound the sirens again. When you win games as a small program, it helps even more in recruiting than when you're a big game or a big brand and you win games. Because USC started recruiting high-level players and shooting up the recruiting boards right when Lincoln Riley was hired. They just needed the promise of USC being good. But at a place like Oregon State, sometimes you got to win games. Sometimes you got to work a little bit harder. And guess what? The Beavs just won 10 games. Kind of seems like people taking us. They've got a couple four-stars in the class. It doesn't sound like a lot in the, grand, in the grand scheme of things, but ask me this. How often does a program like Oregon State sign multiple four-stars at this point in the cycle? The answer is not supremely often. It happens. It happens for sure. Don't go in the comments say, they did it this year, this year, and this year. But don't tell me it's as common or as usual standard operating procedure, routine, as it is for other teams in the Pac-12, because that wouldn't be an honest argument. Stanford is right behind them. Surprised the Cardinal are that high. I think that speaks to the real recruiting potential of Stanford because they've been bad the last couple of years, but it's still Stanford in that they know how to get the guys who are that rare blend of athleticism and academic intelligence. Not that other football players aren't smart, but you know what I'm talking about. You have to be an elite student to get into Stanford. And I think that the tough times the Cardinal have fallen upon, just being at seventh, not bottoming all the way out to the bottom, is a testament to their brand power as an academic institution to go get the best student athletes in the country. And, you know, not a bad place, not a bad place for uh, Troy Taylor to be. Arizona at eighth. A little surprised at that one. Colorado at ninth. Remember what I said to start the show? It wasn't a big, huge, splashy day for the bus. 
It will come later, probably by way of the portal more so here in year one. But they will probably get some more recruits, and they already have begun that. But it's been a pretty quick turnaround for him. And the Buffs are sitting there ninth in the Pac-12. Washington State is 10, ASU is 11, and Cal has fallen all the way down to last. If you're curious where those teams rank nationally, right now, Oregon is 8th, USC is 15th, Utah is 20th, Washington 27th, UCLA 36th. So you got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 Pac-12 teams in the top 36 in the country. Not bad. Oregon State 45th, Stanford 47th. So you got seven teams in the top 50. Again, not a bad place to be. Though, I think if you're talking about it on a conference-wide level, you'd be able to get Washington up there into the top 20 and sneak UCLA inside the top 30 and then maybe get Oregon State and Stanford inside the top 40. That would be like a really, really strong list of uh, recruiting rankings on a conference level. Arizona is just outside the top 50 at 51st. Colorado, 53rd, Washington State, 59th, Arizona State, 64th, and Cal, 84th. Now, I think what you have to assess there for each team is, well, is that a good place to be? Is that a bad place to be? Is that an in-between place to be? Remember that great and glorious segment we did for an entire show every Monday here after those Saturdays full of Pac-12 football? Yeah, they were called winners and losers and everything in between. We've got just three categories here on recruiting, but we have them nonetheless. Good vibes, tweeners, not as good vibes. So, good vibes. Oregon. Oregon really belongs in great vibes right now because they had a much better than expected day. They kind of went crazy. And if Kyle Bowen, the five-star safety, ends up signing his national letter of intent, they could end up with more five-stars in this class than they had when Dante Moore was verbally committed and he flipped to UCLA. Good vibes there. USC, I think that's a tweener. I think USC is a tweener vibe. They're 15th in the country. They were at one point higher. They still got a a lot of really good players. They've still got Malachi Nelson leading the way and some quality defensive prospects, which is what they need more, at least in the immediate future than stud skill players on the offensive side of the ball. Utah, 20th, good vibes. Good vibes at Utah. Because that's not a place where you expect to recruit a high level. And I think if you're a program like Utah, if you're a program like Colorado, if you're either of the Arizona schools, either of the Bay Area schools, Oregon State, Washington State in that mix, it's less likely for those last two there. It's just you know really, really tough for them. But when you get into the top 20, or if you're hovering around that range, you're doing a really good job on the recruiting trail because those are not places where you typically get a bunch of big-time recruits. So Utah, yeah, good vibes. Washington, I'd say they're a tweener. There was a point in time in the cycle, you know, a month or so ago, maybe a little bit more. I didn't follow it day by day, but they were inside the top 20 at one point. Now they've fallen down a little. It's not catastrophic. It doesn't mean Washington doesn't have good players. Flipping Caleb Presley's huge. You know, they're bringing in him and Curly Reed, both highly touted true freshman prospects at the cornerback position, which uh, after you lost Kyler Gordon and Trent McDuffie to the NFL was certainly lacking this year. Injuries were a part of it, but other than Alex Cook, eh, back end of that defense, little sketchy at times. But could one of those guys pop and get playing time as a true freshman? Yeah, they've got the potential to do it. 
I think Presley's the higher rated recruit, but Curly Reed has the higher rated name. Oh man, it's an awesome name. I mean, it's just that that's just that's just really that's really 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 excellent. I really, really enjoy that name. Curly Reed. Mm, rolls right off the tongue. As a play by play guy, which is why I'm in Salt Lake City, by the way, with the Southern Utah women's basketball team, hence the logo. Go Thunderbirds. Calling their game uh, against Utah. Pac-12 opponent, actually. It'll be at uh, Utah's basketball arena Thursday night calling that game. But anyway, I think Washington's in a tweeter phase. I, I, I think they're fine. You know, not, not, oh my gosh, amazing, great. Presley certainly worthy of celebration for Washington. But overall, you know, they lost Keen Holes. They haven't replaced them with a quarterback yet. That's probably going to be their biggest priority going into National Signing Day in February. But overall, inside the top 30, good place to be. UCLA, 36th. I'll go good vibes here because the depth of this class, at least from a composite standpoint, isn't really there. But the guy who's headlining it and kind of carrying the weight, that's a big deal because he plays the most important position, and that is the highest-rated quarterback recruit, I believe, in UCLA's history. And oh, by the way, they just got a really nice addition in the transfer portal too. Guy by the name of Maliki Matavau. Yeah, he fits really nicely into what Chip Kelly wants to do. And that's a part of these rankings now, right? It's high school prep players and transfer portal players. And UCLA used the portal very well last year. And getting Matavau, yeah, that's a really good thing for them to do. I mean, he's a perfect fit. Great run blocker, good hands, versatile, athletic. Does a lot of great things. So good vibes overall at uh, UCLA. And by the way, I put Oregon State in the good vibes department. I would. 45th in the country? Yeah, that's kind of standard. It's kind of run of the mill. But you've got two four stars right now. I wonder if you can add another one ahead of February's National Signing Day. I don't know. I don't know. There was a time just a couple years ago where adding multiple four stars in the same recruiting cycle, mm, didn't seem super possible. And yet here we are. I'm just asking the question. I'm just saying, can you do that? Can you keep it rolling? Stanford, I'll say you're a tweener. I don't think Stanford's got a strong opinion. Anytime you have a head coaching change, frankly, if you're inside the top 50, that could lean towards good vibes, but it's 47th. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's okay. They're doing just fine. Uh, Arizona is, is the first team here that I say falls into the not-as-good-vibes category. And I don't say that gleefully because I very much respect what Jed, Fo what Jed Fish came into and what he has been doing there. But one thing that he did last year after a 1-11 season was pull off what was a top-25 high school recruiting class. Well, now I'm just asking the question, like, you won five games this year, and I thought you'd be over your preseason win total of two and a half. I didn't think you'd double it. You've got your quarterback there. You're trending upward. What's going on? I, I, I am, shall I say, curious. I, I am curious as to why they're there, and I don't think it's, you know, a cause for panic necessarily for Arizona. But I do think it should have your attention and say, like, wait a minute. It looked like this was going to be a shift in the recruiting profile for Arizona because if you can get a top 25 high school recruiting class after winning one game, 
what can you do after five games? Why is it falling off? Is it not a priority? Maybe they're just waiting on guys to sign in February. Interested to see where that one goes, but I'm very surprised Arizona is that low on the list. I mean, they're behind Stanford. Which program would you rather be right now? The answer is Arizona, unquestionably. So I'm curious as to that one. Colorado, tweener. Not good vibes. Not not as good vibes. You're a tweener right now, but they're the most likely team to move into that good vibes category because they've got Coach Prime. (laughs) It's really that simple. They've got Prime. They have got Coach Prime. Uh, Not as good vibes here. Washington State, probably the diff- the most difficult place to recruit in the Pac-12. You're geographically isolated. You don't have a rich tradition of winning up there. You're not a recruiting power, not a football power in general. You don't have an amazing recruiting base. You're the number two program in your state to Washington from a branding perspective. And they're sitting here at 59th in the country. And... They just lost both their coordinators. Really, really bad timing to lose two key assistants. That's a tough thing for Jake Dickert. And, you know, replacing both those coaches is now something he's having to do in addition to trying to get guys to come play for his team. That That's just a lot to manage. That That's just a lot to manage and a tough spot to be in. Um, but it could be worse. It, it could be worse because you could be Cal. And I'll talk about Cal that's last in the Pac-12 recruiting rankings here before Arizona State. Now, Cal does have a couple transfers coming in, one from Clemson and then Byron Cardwell from Oregon, a running back who should be a a contributor for them on offense. I like their transfer portal additions, but they've got just 10 high school commits. They've got 10. Everybody else is in the high teens or 20s for the most part. And Cal's sitting there at 10. Off a four and eight season, Jack Plummer's in the portal, so you officially need a new quarterback. You need to rebuild the offensive line. You now need to get a new quarterback. Don't have a ton of young talent coming in. It's not very highly rated young talent either. You know, a couple of those guys can pop. Wilcox has been a really good, you know, get someone that fits and develop him sort of coach, but I feel like the program that has the worst trajectory in the conference right now is California. I And I, I don't know that it's particularly close. I really don't because they went four and eight this year after a three and one start. They went one and seven down the stretch, the opposite of last year when they started one and five and finished four and two. So they've been under 500 the last couple of years. They signed their coach to a six year extension. There's no recruiting momentum and you haven't made a bowl game since 2019. That's the, uh, what, you know, what, what about that's optimistic? Like, I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news here for bad news bears, but I just don't see anything that, that, that has you feeling good about where they're going. And they bring in a new offensive coordinator. Hopefully he'll be able to have success. Jake Spivitol. I apologize. If I'm not pronouncing that correctly, but that's like, eh, I don't know. All right. Uh, wrapping up here. You know what? This is going to be tweener. I'll go overall good vibes for Kenny Dillingham at Arizona State. Yeah, Drew Pine at quarterback from Notre Dame. He's at the very least competent. If nothing else, he is competent. But 
you're 40 spots up in the recruiting rankings compared to where you were a year ago. I mean, they were outside of the top 100. And you're not going to rebuild this in a day. And already, you're inside the top 70. It's a jump, right? It's an improvement. And that's what you want to see if you're a Sun Devils fan. You want to see improvement. Ending on an optimistic note there. National Signing Day is fun. You got any questions? Shoot them my way. Twitter at Smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore Pac-12. You can also hop in the YouTube comments. I monitor those daily. Appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time and have a wonderful rest of your day.